for those of you who are sticking around, make sure you have a Bible. If you didn't bring one, grab one off of the table. We're going to talk through Scripture a little bit this morning and uh, just kind of share God's Word together as we are in the habit of doing. Um, so much of what, what we've been doing this summer is uh, rooted in the Scripture of Matthew 28. We talk about this all the time where Jesus commands us, go and make disciples of all nations. And... Uh, that's not a new command. It's uh, been around for a long time. You've probably heard it quite a bit in your life. It's probably the second most known verse after John 3.16. Um, and yet, one of the things that we've been talking about is how we can actually do that. How we can actually go and make disciples of all nations. And so today I wanted to kind of dig into the word and hear... hear um, a command from Jesus, some things that he told us to do, and, and ask, kind of wonder about that. Is it right? What, what we're doing? Are we doing it right? Are we doing it wrong? Um, I don't know about you, but like on a day like today, uh, the, uh, some, something like a, a, a little sprinkle, you know, Mike Dumsdorf said we're going to be here rain or shine today, and uh, we were kind of hoping maybe for a little bit of rain, uh, or maybe a little bit yesterday. We had to sweep out a little water this morning, so it did rain a little bit. But I wonder, do we, when we see it rain, do we see rain as a blessing? I mean, do you see it? I think right now we would say, yes, <laughs> it's a blessing. You know, we got back from being out of town and our ground at our house has actually got cracks like almost as big as this concrete right here. It's just dry. The earth is just dry. And so you would think, yes, if God would send rain, it would be a huge blessing for us. And then there's other times in our life, we talked about this morning when we were praying before services, in the middle of winter, we're going, oh God, just send the sun. You know, just send us some, some warmth that's so cold. And so when God sends sun, it's a blessing to us as well. And, and so, but we don't always experience those things in that way. I know when we were in Guatemala, one of the things that happened is it rained almost every day about three o'clock. But we had this project that we had to do that wasn't on, it wasn't supposed to happen originally. Um, and it was the roof of the actual project where the kids came and, and learned all day and stuff. And uh, it was a roof, and I don't know how big the building was, but it, had a, it was a flat roof. And we had to put this um, paint on it. Well, we had to move a garden first. It's a long story, but we had to move this huge garden, a huge garden, and then we had to paint this and then put the garden back. And so what was a big problem for us was rain. Rain was a huge problem for us. And so um, Ruby, you know, was the, the flag-bearing champion by praying that God would, would call the rain to stop so we could get the project done. We got it done, by the way. Praise God. And that was one of the things that was a, you know, a huge project that wasn't even on the schedule. But I wondered, do we experience God's blessing uh, in rain? I remember that John, or Dan said at camp at one point, he said uh, there was some stuff he was doing and it wouldn't stop raining and I'm sure the rain wasn't a blessing if you need to get something done and you need weather like this. You know, somebody's praying for this weather today. You know what I mean? Uh, and so I'm not sure that we always experience, experience that. But I want to talk to you about what scripture says about rain today and about... Um, uh, the, the way that God blesses people because I think we get it wrong and I think we get it wrong and, and here's the problem if we don't understand the way God works in his blessings then we will do it wrong you and I will do it wrong as well and so we model ourselves after after Christ and so I'm gonna I ask you to pray I hope you grab the Bible we're gonna be looking at the gospel of Matthew but I'm gonna pray with you before we open the word we always do this and we're gonna talk through scripture a little bit today pray with me please 
Father God, today as we open your word, we pray that we would have minds to understand it, hearts to receive it, and lives that are turned over to you that we could live it out. I pray that your spirit would dwell richly in us, that we could not just understand truth, but know truth and respond to your gospel. And I pray, Father, that if no other time in our lives, we can give you this you know, half hour right now that we could just really be setting your feet and saying, God, who are you? And how do you do things? And the things that we have wrong, we would set aside that we could be more like you and more like serving your purposes in this world. We thank you for this chance. We thank you for your holy inspired word. We thank you for your son and our savior, Jesus Christ, who reveals all truth to us. We pray in his name. Amen. So go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 5. And I'm going to kind of just talk through this, uh, this scripture this morning. But Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. And this is Jesus' teaching. Now, by the way, this comes in the middle of a very famous uh, um, teaching by Jesus. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. You've probably heard of it. That doesn't mean anything except that Jesus went up a mountain and talk to people there. That's what it was, okay? And so it's, it's in the middle of this Sermon on the Mount he's talking, but this is what Jesus says to us. He says, you have heard it said, love your neighbor. And I want to stop right there for a minute because we've heard that at Family Bible Church. Love God, love people. We talked about the Gospel of Luke where it says, who is the neighbor and how do you do that? And so here Jesus says, you have all heard it said. He's talking to everyone here. Love your neighbor. And then he adds this, and hate your enemy. And then Jesus gives us new command. He says, but I tell you, see, that's his command, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And so Jesus takes this thing that we all know, we go, yeah, we should love our neighbor, right? And, and, uh, and he takes this thing that we all understand and believe, and I think that they believed it as well at that time. It was no problem. I love my neighbors. I love my neighbors. As a matter of fact, that's why I moved to my neighborhood, right? So I could love my neighbors. But he says, don't just love your neighbors, but love your enemies, Jesus says. And he just goes like, right, and this is him commanding it. He's saying, I tell you this, love your enemies. And, and you go, man, that's, that's hard to do. Like, I can, I can love people who are, I think are lovable. I can love people who I think deserve it. But, but our enemies, Jesus teaches these things. And he says, no, love your enemies in the same way that you love your neighbors, Love your enemies. I think we just read that and we just go, man, that's hard. Or we say, yeah, I got it. I'll love my enemies. But I'm not sure the last time I have loved an enemy. I want you to think about that in your life. When was the last time there was someone that you couldn't stand? That you, I mean, they just, they, they, you know, because it's, it's hard to think. You can think about an enemy like in a world enemy. But think about a real practical enemy like someone at work that's always conspiring to make you miserable. Right? Think about that person that's really, really unreasonable. And I want you to ask a question. When was the last time that I loved them? And if you're like me, you're like, man, I just let God do that work, <laughs> you know? Uh, I, I, do good, I do good just to love people that I like to love. I mean, the love of my enemies is hard. It's hard stuff. But Jesus commands it. He says here, love your enemies. And then he says this, pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who persecute you. So if there's someone that's really giving you a hard time, that's really pushing against, you know, who you are or how you're trying to be, Jesus says, pray for them, right? Now, some of you might be Old Testament scholars. And if you are, you probably like the prayers of like David where he's like, Lord, strike all my enemies dead, <laughs> you know? I'm praying for them. I'm following the command. 
But Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And I want to I kind of walk on through this, but I, I wonder, because I want to remind you that the first hearers that heard Jesus say this had no easier time than you or I do. When Jesus said something crazy like, love your enemies, no one else there was like, oh, that's easy. I can do that. No problem. Yeah, got it. Do you remember there's a story about a guy named Saul? And Saul was persecuting Christians. Now, this is after Jesus died and after he was raised from the dead. And Saul is persecuting Christians. And I don't think there was any Christians praying for Saul. It's not recorded. If there were, it didn't say, oh, by the way, this one group was praying for Saul. It doesn't say that Thomas, who gave his life at Saul's feet, was praying for Saul. So I don't want to just feel like, well, this has been something that they could do, but we can't do. I think it's always been hard. We get an indication of how hard it was because whenever God sent Saul after he revealed himself to, to him, he sent Saul to a Christian. The Christian was afraid of Saul because of what he might do. I'm not sure they were praying for, for, uh, for Saul to become Paul. But I want you to think about that because I think this is the opportunity we miss. And I'm going to tell a story that's hopefully going to drive us home a little bit. But we miss opportunities all the time because we say, yes, Lord, I'll follow you. Yes, Lord, I'll love those that you are calling me to love. But that one is not one that you're calling me to love. And I want to remind you that in the scripture, that one was Saul who became Paul. And we miss opportunities like that all the time. So Jesus says, love your enemies. He says, love your neighbors, love your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you. He, he, he kind of commands us of those things. And then he says, I want you to read why he says that. In verse 45, it's, he, uh, Jesus says this, because if you do these things, you'll become sons of your Father in heaven. It says, it, literally it says, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, but the word be means become. That in loving your enemies, you'll become children of God. That this is the line of demarcation. And if you don't believe me, if we go on and reading it, um, actually we'll skip down here. It says, if you love, in verse 46, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what good are you doing more than any others? Do not even pagans do that. So he's saying, if you're loving people like, that are easy to love, so what? Everyone is loving people like that. But the line of demarcation for a person who is born of God, a child of God, is loving your enemies. And that's a whole other level. That's a whole other thing to do. And so he, he says, if you, Jesus tells us if you do that, you'll become children of your Father in heaven. Jesus is teaching his disciples and he's telling them these things. Now, I want you to see why. Because you might go, okay, this is just Jesus. And Jesus is like the guy who's like, I'm going to crank it up a notch. So if you think being a Christian's hard, this is going to be harder, you know. And he, he adds this stuff to it. But that's not what he's doing. What Jesus is calling us to do, you and I, is he's calling us to do the things that God has always done. God has always done these things. And I'll, I'll show you what it says in Scripture right here. Jesus says, for example, your Father in heaven, in verse 45, causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, Jesus says. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. 
And if you're like me, when I first read that, I just went right through there. <laughs> Didn't even slow down. But the more I thought about that, I thought, wait a minute. You see, God is pouring out his blessings on everybody. On everybody. And this goes against what many of us would say is true of God. Many of us don't, don't think that that's the way things should work. And that's a dangerous thing because we end up judging what God says is the way things should work. I'll give you an example. We have these, we have these things that we say, I've heard it before, and it's things like, well, if you bless God, God will bless you, right? If, if, you, do, if you are the right kind of person, God will love you. And I'll tell you, here's the problem, I think, as followers of Jesus Christ. Because we know the gospel, and we know we were sinners, and we were undeserving of anything, and God gave us his son. But here's what's crazy. We, we teach things like that. We say, well, if you're good enough, if you're worthy, God will pour out blessings on you. He will rain down his mercy. He will show up and give sun so your flowers can grow. And here's a disconnect I think that we see all the time. So we proclaim that false good news that if you're good enough God loves you and then we see people who are evil prosper and we go God what are you doing or we see someone who is not a good you know we go they're not righteous they're, they're not they don't even believe in you God and you're blessing them what are you doing and Jesus says to us I send my son on the good and the evil I send my son, my reign, on the righteous and the unrighteous. Jesus follows up these thoughts by saying, what good is it if you just love those who love you? Everyone does that. But be like your father who pours out his abundant love on everyone, who pours out his blessings on everyone, who causes all things to grow. There's something else that we do here where we say um, when someone who we've judged to be bad or evil gets their just desserts, that's a moment for us, isn't it? You had it coming. High time it caught up to you. And I think that we believe that about God, that God's like, yes, you finally got your comeuppance. It's not the God that we follow. It's not the God that we serve. I want to read something else with you. You can keep your finger there in Matthew 5. We're going to come back to it. But I want to read something because if you think, well, this is just Jesus, and he's talking uh, something new or something different, which isn't the way Jesus worked. He said, I only reveal the things that my father told me to say. I want, I want to read you a brief story. You don't have to turn there. It's in, uh, the, the prophet Isaiah speaks this. But I want to read you this story from the 40 fifth chapter. Hear what the word of God says. This is what the Lord Yahweh says to the anointed, to Sirius or Cyrus, whose right hand I take hold of to subdue nations before him and strip kings of their armor. Now listen to what God's blessing does. I open doors before him that gates cannot be shut. I go before him and level mountains. I break gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. I will give you treasures hidden in darkness, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am Yahweh, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. Sounds pretty good, right? God's going before this guy. For the sake of my servant Jacob, of Israel my chosen, I summon you by name, and I bestow on you a title of honor. 
the prophet says. But hear the next line. Though you do not acknowledge me, I am the Lord and there is no other God. Apart from me, there is no God. I will strengthen you, although you have never acknowledged me, so that from the rising of the sun to its place of its setting, men may know that there is no God besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do these things. You heavens above, rain down righteousness. Let the clouds shower it down. Let the earth open wide. Let salvation spring forth. Let righteousness grow with it. I, the Lord, have created it. And it goes on. You can read, I would encourage you to read that whole chapter of Isaiah. But the story is how God is going to bless this person who won't even acknowledge him for his purpose. That God is doing his purpose in his life. And so Jesus says the same thing that's always been said of God, that he blesses the, the, the righteous and the unrighteous alike, that he pours down his blessings on all creation. And so, so I just wanted to throw it out there because I think it breaks some of the lies that we go around running around saying in Jesus' name. As a matter of fact, and here's the kicker about it all, when we talk about our own faith in Jesus Christ, we say, I didn't deserve his mercy and grace. I was a sinner far from God. We write songs about this stuff. And yet we stand and we decide who is good or who is not good enough for God, who God cho would choose to love. And I think that that's um, not being godly at all. I say all this because uh, I want to share, I just got a revelation that God had in my own heart about the way I operate, and I think many of us, and I'm not imposing this on you, but I just wonder if you're like me in this way. I'll tell you a, a story. Um, we were in Guatemala, and we were going to go, and we were going to fix this one roof for this one family. And um, these houses were almost like fall down, and they were all connected. So we had to get on a neighbor's roof to fix this other neighbor's roof. And we didn't want to stand on anybody's stuff, but we found a tree, and we leaned a ladder against the tree, and we climbed up. If you look at the pictures of Guatemala, you'll see Steve Cordy was on the roof doing the roof repair. But we climbed up on this roof, on this ladder, and, I, and uh, Steve got up there first because he was the most courageous one in the group. And, and then I stood up. I got up in the tree because Steve asked me to come up and hand tools to him. And then later on, Tyler Cordy got up in the tree next to me because it's Tyler and he wants to do things. And, uh, but what happened was in the middle of this, while we're in this tree, um, Kike, the guy we, we had with us, he asked for me to pick a piece of fruit from the tree and give to him. And so I'm like, he, he ate everything he saw. I felt like everything he saw, he would just eat it. You know, he was crazy. And so, uh, and so I picked it and I gave it to Kike and he just bites it and he starts eating. He's like, oh, it's good. Well, then these kids start asking for it. So Tyler climbed up the ladder and started pulling down these fruit for these kids. Meanwhile, there was a lady who was across the roof over here and she had a second floor, a really nice second floor house kind of set up. But it was, the back of her house was open. I can't explain this except that like this would be a really nice building there. I mean, that there was just very open air living. And um, the whole back of their house, the second story was open to this roof. And so Steve had asked if we could get permission to be on her roof. And so she had granted it, but we ended up not using it. But while I'm up there and I'm waiting for Steve to ask for tools, this lady says to me across the way, todos frutas, por favor. Right? And I speak poquito espanol, but that means all the fruit, please. And so I said, todas frutas? 
like, you want all the fruit? And she's like, si, si, todas frutas, por favor. So I start picking these fruit. And then I said, you know, how do I get these to you? And she goes like this. And I'm like, oh, the international symbol for throw me the fruit. So I take one of these. They're about this big. They're like some little tangerine thing. And I, like that, I throw her the fruit. And she catches it. Now, you got to get the image here. This is like Mrs. Butterworth. That's, okay, she's like my grandma. I mean, this is good. I'm not making fun of her. She had like the dress on, and she had like the apron on, and she, had, and she was like well put together, and she was really sweet, and she was smiling, and she was saying, todas frutas, por favor, and I was giving her the fruit, and we were having this great international experience, but I was throwing these things, and she's catching them, and I'm feeling a lot of pressure because I'm not good at softball, and so I'm throwing them, and she's catching them, and she's putting them in her apron, and she's smiling, and I keep picking all this fruit, and I'm thinking, this is crazy. I'll be here all day. So eventually, I just quit giving her fruit because I think that's enough fruit, okay? Uh, I got work to do. <laughs> and then Tyler was giving the fruit to the kids down below, and he probably gave them three times as much, but it was a great experience. Well, we get done, uh, and we get off the ladder, and we're, we're packing up our gear and heading out, and I'm walking next to Lorinda. Lorinda is the missionary that's placed there, and she's the one that had us come and fix this person's roof. And I said, uh, man, those fruit were a big hit. Even the lady on the second floor up there wanted some of the fruit. And Lorena said, oh, like she has to have the one thing that God provides for these people. And I went, what? And she goes, oh yeah, she's the landlord who runs these slums. And she takes all their money to keep them in these broken houses. And in that moment, I felt bad. I felt like I cheated. I felt bad for Lorinda. I'm like, you brought, I came here from the United States only to give fruit to the one person who doesn't deserve it. I was really upset. And then I, I was even more upset because I was like, why did I do that? And why couldn't I discern it? And, and Lord, how, why did you trick me into giving the fruit to this mean lady? She looked like Mrs. Buttersworth, you know? Oh, she was not a mean lady. And I gave her this fruit totally against my will. I mean, God tricked me. And I went home that night, and I was just upset about it. I was, I was aggravated. And I thought, I wish we'd have given all the fruit to the kids and none to her. They deserve it, and she doesn't deserve it. God sent us here to share the gospel with these beautiful, precious children of his, not with the evil landlord who lives with a two, in a two-story house. And then God said, what gospel are you sharing, Bill? Who do you think I am? Why do you think I had to trick you into giving fruit to my child? I was like, what? And then I started thinking, wait a minute. We came all the way, thousands of miles, to minister to these kids. Because, you know, that's what draws us in. And they're cute. They're kids. They're street kids. It gets our heart going. But what would happen if we had come to share the gospel with the landowner? What would happen if we had come and just been generous with someone who doesn't deserve it? And God started working on my heart and saying, that's the way I love people. I love everybody. And so I don't know where you are, and I don't know how, how you... Um, how you operate in your circles of love. 
But I just know for me that was very challenging. And I just thought, man, if you hadn't tricked me, I would have never. I would have, I would almost say today, even after God has spoke these things to me, if I had to do over, it would be hard to give her fruit. Jesus says this, love your enemies, pray for the ones who persecute you so that you'll be children of your Father in heaven. I want to end it right here. Verse 48 says this. This is the way Jesus ends this part of the teaching. He says, be perfect just like your heavenly Father is perfect. See, and that's where I said I think we got some of stuff wrong because we, we have an imperfect view of God's love. We don't understand that he loves perfectly, holistically, everybody. The people that you think don't deserve his love, God loves. And if this wasn't true, we would all be in a lot of trouble. Because later on, the prophet Isaiah continues to write, and in the 53rd chapter, he says, the righteous one of God will be pierced for our transgressions, and he'll be crushed for our iniquities. The way that God loves us is perfectly and, and he does it completely and wholly through his son and our savior, Jesus Christ. And I want to say something else. It's kind of hard, you know, because it's hard to understand this if, if, if you're following Jesus and you say, okay, I'm going to do what Jesus says and Jesus says, love your enemies. It's hard to do that. But I want to tell you something else. Here's the flip side. That if you are standing in a place where you don't know Jesus Christ or you don't know God's salvation you don't know what he's provided for you you stand as an enemy to him and you can be self-deceived as I was and you can say life is good sun's shining the rain comes when it's supposed to I don't need God for anything listen God is pouring down his mercy and grace on you no matter your condition and and that's a terrible way to judge your right relationship with the God of the universe So those are my thoughts on, on God's reign and God's blessing. I don't know where you are today. I, I hope you know Jesus is Savior. And if you do, I hope you're having as hard a time with this as I am, this whole love your enemies thing. And if you've got to figure it out, I hope you come and tell the rest of us about how it works. Because I'd really like some encouragement in that. And if you don't know him as Savior, I, wanted, I just want you to know that today he's giving you the opportunity to know him in that way. To know how much he's loved you, how much he's given for you. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus finishes his teaching by saying this. He says, there's two kind of builders in life. The one that builds his life on the truth of what I've taught you. And the other that builds his life on their own truth. And he says this, on both these people, rain will come. And on one, the house will be destroyed in a big disaster. And on the other, it will stand firm in the storm. And so 
I just want to say that if you're if you're like in life storms like that and you feel like the rain's coming, don't try to patch up the cracks and crevices and not let it in. I say let it rain. Let it rain. I, I, I ask God, you know, test the work that I'm doing. I want it to be on Christ, on your plan and your salvation. I want it to be on a firm foundation. I don't want to wait till the great storm comes and the whole house blows away. I hope that you know Jesus in that way today, and I, I hope that you're willing to take that next step of faith with him. Please join me in prayer. Father God, we give you praise and glory because you're the God of revelation, the God who teaches and, and, and ca calls us forward, draws us into your mercy and grace. And even when we know you as Savior and Lord and we proclaim you to the world, Father, you still draw us into more uncomfortable ways that we're called to love others and to share your gospel. I pray, Lord, that today, first of all, that we would know you as Savior and Lord. That if there's those blocks that are in our way, that, that they would cause us to fall, that we may acknowledge who you are. I pray, Father, for every heart and mind here that, that you know where they are and that you would draw them near to yourself. That they would know the true gospel of a God who loves them so much that he would come himself to die that he would come himself to die, that we might have life forever. And I pray, Father, for the rest of us that we would be continually drawn towards the hard truth, the real deal, the honest to God gospel of Jesus Christ, that we could love perfectly like you do. Give you praise and glory today because of your great name, because of the work you've done, the revelation you've shown to us, but just because you deserve it, our desire is to give you praise and glory because you deserve it. So we do this today through everything, including this prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, we're going to... I was... I'm scared. All right, um, so we're gonna do a song, <laughs> and uh, and then we're going to we got two things to go yet today, and we got to figure them out. Uh, one, we're doing baptism today, and so we're gonna try to do that straight away if we can. Uh, the other is we're gonna have a lunch today. We're gonna do that right away as well, and so kind of. Um, uh, we're going to have to figure out what's going to happen. We don't know yet, but we're going to sing right now. But the main thing is that um, respond to God today if he's been speaking to you. Not, I've not been speaking to you, but if God's been speaking to you, I ask that you would respond to him in this time. Take my heart 